Welcome to the Access Health Radio Show this week with Dr. Brian Forrest. And Dr. Forrest, you have a special guest you'll be introducing soon. If people want more information about today's show or they want to find out information about your practice, where can they find it? If listeners want to send general, non-emergent questions and possibly have their question answered on the show, they can go to our website at accesshealthradio.com. They can also send an email directly to accesshealthradio at gmail.com with their contact information. Uh, make sure you include that so we can thank you for the questions you send us. And if you'd like information about our medical practice in Apex, North Carolina, you can go to acchealth.com. That's A-C-C-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. Or you can call 919-363-0190. This week on Access Health Radio, we're pleased again to have audio prostologist Victoria Bratan back again from Down East Hearing Care Associates. And Victoria, what will you be discussing today? Well, we can talk about how we evaluate hearing if you'd like to go that direction. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of interested in that as well because say somebody detects they may have a problem, uh, it could be that they don't have a problem, right? I mean, that they, is they come in. So just tell, walk me through. Uh, somebody comes, comes to you. They make an appointment to, to see you. Is that the best way? You don't like walk-ins? We do take walk-ins, but normally for a hearing assessment, it takes a good 30 to 35 minutes. So normally we do ask for a patient to make an appointment for that. We do make some exceptions, like a person may have an emergency situation where they failed to test at work and they've got to have it done immediately mm-hmm. for whatever reason it may be. Then we try to work those patients in if we need to. Yeah, and you have two uh, locations. Yes, sir. We have one location in Rocky Mount at Bivenu Plaza. And our second location is over in Nightdale behind Wendy's, mm-hmm. uh, right beside Lynn Ray Medical Supply. Okay, so they, they have an appointment, <laughs> and they sit down with you. Uh, or do they sit down with you initially? What happens? Tell us. Initially, they do come and sit down with me. I actually bring them back to the room and have conversation with them regarding their, their patient intake forms. What we look at on an overall is, has this person been seen before? When did the situation occur? What type of issues are they having? Um, are they having any pain, ringing in their ears, any sudden changes to their hearing? Those things are important. What type of medication this person may be taking? That could be very important, Oh, right? yes, it's very important. It, you know, medications can actually shift your hearing temporarily, but it can also be a permanent shift if you don't make the adjustments to those milligrams uh, within a timely manner. Mm-hmm. So we do look at the, the prescriptions as far as what they receive from their doctors and see if if there's anything there that would be considered a concern. And if it's a concern, of course, we do write out a report and refer them back to their physician to address those concerns. We never ask a patient to stop taking their medicines. Um, we never tell them that this is something that they should continue to do, but it should be something they should advise with their physician. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then they say, I'm not hearing too well in my left ear. Could it be the left ear and the right ear? It could be a possibility, but what we're looking at in an overall when the patient comes in is video otoscope, which allows them to see their ear canal and see their eardrums for themselves. Oh. Because most of the time, that's something you don't get a chance to see. No. It's not like looking in a mirror. Do I want to see it? (laughs) 
it's actually interesting. Very interesting. So um, the tiny bones and all that. Well, right? you don't see the tiny bones, but you'll see the malice, which is the first bone okay. in the middle ear, and it shows itself on the eardrum or the tympanic membrane. Okay. And the patient can actually see those things. So if a person is concerned whether they have wax or not, if there's something in the ear, we actually let them see. It's, you know, it's, it's open, the ear's open. Mm-hmm. Or if there is a blockage, mm-hmm. it allows them to be able to see that too and see what condition that their ear is in. Now, visually looking at it, can you detect that there may be a problem? Um, yes, it depends. If there's deformity of the ear, if there's any perforation of the eardrum, if there's any trauma to the ear, if there's any wax laying on the eardrum itself, uh, a lot of times we'll find somebody's put a foreign object in their ear. Right. Uh, it may be Q-tips, a little cotton off of the apparatus. Um, but those are the things that we end up looking at. And we so that's seeing. trauma. Yeah, it can cause trauma to the ear. It but can. A, Q, a Q-tip sitting on the eardrum can cause trauma. It can cause perforation, keep the eardrum from moving properly. It can cause dizziness. It can cause ringing to the ear, cause extreme pain to the person. Mm-hmm. So those things would have to re- be removed. So there may be cases you have to refer them to someone yes, else? If yeah, if they're okay. lodged and they're pretty good, they're going somewhere else. Um, if there's wax impaction, we actually take care of that ourselves. Yes, we've covered that on, yes, on other programs. Yes, we can cover that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, but if there is, let's say, perforation of the eardrum, then we uh, is actually there make an appointment for them to see an ear, nose, and throat specialist if they have not been seen by an ear, nose, and throat. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing against regular MDs. MDs are absolutely wonderful, best thing you can have. But when it comes to an ear, nose, and throat situation, especially a perforated eardrum, it's best to be seen by the ear, nose, and throat doctor. Can it be repaired? Sometimes it can be. If it's caught immediately, you're not waiting years later, but you're actually looking at it almost immediately. There's some oil they can use or some things that they can use to help mend that eardrum back together mm-hmm. or they can go in and patch it mm-hmm. but they can make some some corrections but like i said it would be within their best interest to be seen by the ear nose and throat doctor for something so what's the sensation what what is the patient actually can they hear once they have a punctured eardrum is it a funny sound well it uh, depends on what part of the eardrum that has the perforation mm-hmm. is it in the par tensa is it par flaccida what part of the ear is actually well it has to do with the quad you okay. know so if it's if it's a big perforation then there's a good chance they're going to miss sounds across all frequencies oh, I if see. it's a small perforation it depends on where it is on that eardrum to determines what frequency they would be having some issues with Okay. All right. Very good. So, yes, sorry. It can cause a a temporary impairment or it can be a permanent impairment. Most of the time, we'll see the wax impaction, something lodged in the ear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll see the ears bleeding. Patients put um, a hairpin into their ear or their their keys into their ears and they'll scratch their ears and they end up hitting the eardrum. See people doing that. You probably. Oh, yes. Don't do that. I'm like, oh. (laughs) But um, those are the things that we see from the external point. So if we don't see anything there that's obvious, that's causing an issue, then we move on to the next step. And the next step is to actually test the patient's hearing. You are tuned to Access Health Radio every third Sunday, we have Victoria Bertan with us, audio prosthologist for Downey's Hearing Care Associates and Urgent Care at 3009 Village Park Drive in Nightdale and 1356 Bevelue Plaza in Rocky Mount on the web at downeyshearingcare.com. You're tuned to Access Health Radio on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Access Health Radio. Victoria Patan is still with us, and you can uh, listen to Victoria the third Sunday of every month. Uh, you have had situations where people come in and say, 
my hearing aid is not working, Victoria. And what do you do? Well, first thing is we need to verify and validate if the hearing aid is working correctly or not. So there's ways that we can do that. One is when a patient first comes in and they get their product, we test that patient's hearing, and then we go in and set targets for their hearing instruments to give them the proper amplification. And it takes a little work to do that, but that prescription is actually saved into the system. So we can go back and pull that patient's prescription and verify what the prescription is supposed to be, and then we go ha- do an ANSI, which is American National S- Standard in- for Institute for hearing products or even instruments, period. Okay. And then we run an ANSI on the product, and then the ANSI tells us if that prescription is actually in that hearing instrument, meaning if it's supposed to run at 108.25 and it's running at 102, okay, then we know it's not the proper prescription so we know something's wrong with the hearing instrument so that's one of the first things we verify is there is there something wrong with the aid if there's nothing wrong with the aid then we have to start looking at the patient so we've had patients come in and say something's wrong with this darn hearing aid and you hadn't seen them in like maybe a year mm-hmm. you know some people do that and they'll say something's wrong with this darn hearing aid and they'll they'll lay it down and we go to take the product and verify there's nothing wrong with the hearing instrument and then we say okay now we need to start looking at you so we have to take them into the other room, retest their hearing and verify, oh, yep, hearing has changed. So then we take them into the programming room and reprogram the product to their new loss, and boom, they're ready to rock and roll. They're just happy as they did when they first got their product. Hmm. So sometimes it's not the hearing aid. It's the patient. What's wrong with the patient? Another example, have a patient come in, my hearing instrument's not working. I put it in, I can't hear anything out of my hearing instrument. Well, then you verify there's nothing wrong with the hearing aid, but when you take the patient to the back, you verify they got a wax plug in their ear, and now the instrument's laying into that wax, and it can't make it through the wax. Hmm. So that's, that's an issue there that could be a problem. So we try to look at the overall picture with our patient, what is actually the issue? How long has it been a problem? And then we look at how do we correct that for that individual. The other issue, too, is what you pay for the instrument, right? I mean, certain instruments have more flexibility. Do, do some instruments have a better ability to make those changes? Yes, sir. You're absolutely correct. Uh, if you have a straight amplifier type of hearing instrument, it's just straight amplification. You really can't get in there and do anything to that product. If you have something that's programmable, or the artificial intelligent type of instrument, then you can go in and actually retest the person's hearing with their hearing instrument in their ear. It's called in situ testing. So instead of putting them in a booth or putting them in another chair and using the audiometer, you can actually use the chip within the circuit itself and actually retest the patient. So it makes it easy if I have to go home, go to the patient's home and do home service and the patient says, well, something's wrong with my hearing instrument. I'm not hearing well. And I check the instrument and the instrument's fine. Well, I can just retest the patient hearing right there in their house with their hearing instruments in their ears. It's called a screening. Mm. And then go back and retarget the instruments, which makes it easier for the patient. So I wouldn't be so quick to get rid of the hearing aid mm-hmm. when you think something's wrong with the hearing aid. I'd be more quick to verify, make sure there's nothing wrong with it, of course, but make sure there's nothing wrong with the patient that could be causing the issue that makes them think that there is an issue with their hearing aid. But there is a reason why there's higher cost in certain instruments than others, and, and you just pointed that out. Yeah, so, because of the flexibility. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about uh, just durability, are 
some of them just have better parts. They're, they're just more durable. Well, yes, sir, it is. Um, if you look at the behind-the-ear products, the, they're, they are really meant to take the beating, take the abuse, because they're actually sitting outside of the ear. Uh, when you have something down inside the ear canal, then these shells may be a little thinner than what you would use for just an ear mold. So if you drop them, you can crack them. So we do advise our patients, you know, if you're going to be handling your instrument out of the ear, make sure you're over a table, you have a towel down on the table, mm -hmm. or you either have it in your lap and you're, you're maintaining it within your area. Um, don't get up, be moving around while you're trying to insert your product, because if you drop it on a hard floor, you could crack it. Mm -hmm. And we do have the ability to fix those things in the office. Give you an example. I had a patient come in today. And she had actually dropped her hearing aid and went to step, get up out of her chair, and she rolled over the top of her hearing aid. So I've had to put her hearing aid back together today for her because she had no type of warranty whatsoever. She was like, Victoria, and she was crying, Victoria, I've got cancer. I'm going in tomorrow to have surgery. I've got to be able to hear the doctor. I said, don't worry about it. If you would just go get something to eat and just come on back, I'll have you ready in about an hour. So I just went in and put the instrument back together for her. I gave it back to her, and she was like, this is my hearing aid? Yes, ma'am, it's your hearing aid. Um, it doesn't look like it, no, because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria's but super she glue. she was very happy. <laughs> she was very happy. We have bonding materials, and we also have uh, plastic, liquid plastic that we use to fix these, these products. So we can make it a showroom as it walks out the door. All right. Well, you are tuned to... Access Health Radio, if you want to get in touch with Victoria, she's at Downey's Hearing Care Associates at Hearing Aid Urgent Care. Two offices, 3009 Village Park Drive, Nightdale, 1356 Bevenue Plaza in Rocky Mount. On the web at downeyshearingcare.com, we have another segment with you uh, coming up. You're tuned to Access Health Radio on News Radio 680 WPTF. And welcome back here to Access Health Radio. Today, we are in the actual office of Downey's Hearing Care Associates and Hearing Aid Urgent Care in Nightdale. And we are with audioprostologist Victoria Batan and also Christina, who's the first person that comes in contact with the customers. It may happen with a phone call and maybe somebody saying, you know, it says, I don't know if... If uh, my mother has uh, dementia or she needs a hearing aid, uh, is that common? That is very common, and usually it is the either a caretaker or a family member calling in. That's one of the common common questions that we get asked. I want to rule out if my mama can't hear or my dad, or if it's something else that I might need to have them tested for. Well, one thing you answered is third party. Normally, it's the family member, friend, someone else is noticing that there's actually an issue and they're wanting to have that person checked. So when they come into the office and Christina will make the phone, make the phone conversation with them, verify and validate and assess exactly what they need, and then make sure there's an appropriate time set for that individual so that I can do the work that I need to do. So the things that we look at is, you know, what are the common grounds between un, unaided hearing loss and also 
someone who has Alzheimer's. You know, untreated can resemble an Alzheimer's type patient situation. So we look at it as an untreated hearing loss is isolating and confusing. And it also for some warning signs of Alzheimer's disease. So we encourage patients to come in, let's test you, let's make sure this is not an Alzheimer's issue, which we do not diagnose, but we can tell you if it's a hearing impairment that's causing that problem. If the person has auditory deprivation, then they're going to start replying back to you in a different way. So I'm give you an example and some things here that we have in between untreated hearing loss and Alzheimer's disease. One is depression, anxiety, and feeling of isolation. Well, a person has Alzheimer's feels the same way. They're depressed, anxiety, and disoriented. You know, so that's very similar. So how do you know if it's a hearing impairment or if it's actually an Alzheimer's disease? The other, the other thing is reducing communication uh, ability on a daily basis. Is it harder to communicate with this person? If you're telling them, please go put your pants on so we can go to church, and they're hearing fans on, you know, that's two different things. They're questioning, what are you talking about? You know, and with a person who has Alzheimer's, they're actually reducing language comprehension. You know, they're, they're really not paying attention. They can't really comprehend what you're trying to tell them. So they're very similar. Another is, you know, their memory. How's that person's memory? When the person's hearing impaired, they may not even pay attention to you. They actually have been put blinders on. So when you're dealing with an Alzheimer's patient, they just don't understand what you're saying because their memory's not allowing them to, to hold on to what information that you're giving them. And the other is also inappropriate statements. You know, when a person's hearing impaired and you have auditory deprivation and you say, come on, honey, you know, put those pants on and you're saying the fan's on. Okay, well, there's a situation happening there. Um, the other is the, the patient has Alzheimer's. They're going to tell you something different than what you're trying to communicate with them. So it can make it difficult. The number one thing is denial. When a person is hearing impaired, they're going to be denying that they have this problem. So a lot of times it's the third party, the husband, the wife, the sister, the child, the grandchild that cares about what's going on. Same thing with the Alzheimer's patient. They might be telling you a story. They might be telling you something totally different than what's actually going on. So instead of it being a misinterpretation and thinking, oh, well, maybe they just have Alzheimer's or they just have a hearing impairment, have the hearing checked. Hearing will help you a long way. I've had patients have Alzheimer's and, and, the, and the family members trying to communicate with them and can't get their clothes on them, can't get them to the, go to the bathroom because they're not hearing. So if you put the hearing in the ears, get them back understanding, even though they have Alzheimer's or they have dementia, it makes it easier easier to get them to do what you need them to do from moment to moment instead of having to repeat yourself several times to get them to do one activity you know and it causes frustration yeah well i i know i know a lot of patients that come in that they're frustrated they're they have all kinds of emotions so you see the before and after tell me about that Yes, so we have some people coming in mad. Some are just sad. And, you know, in some of the ones that haven't heard in a long time, they do look very isolated. But after they come in for their evaluation and we finish the hearing process and they are hearing again, we do see almost 100% turnaround in their characters. And, you know, we have them cry they're super, super happy. The family is is just over the moon. Sounds like you get a lot of hugs around here. <laughs> oh, yes, we do. A lot of cakes and a lot of pies and a lot of jewelry. You name it. They spoil us, especially around Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs>
But it really can change somebody's personality. It can, yes, sir. And as she was saying earlier, these people do a 180. They're going in one direction and go totally in the opposite direction because now they're doing much better. They're not having to continue with the same issues over and over again. I've had a man come in here. First time I've ever seen a man cry, literally in person seen a man cry. And it wasn't that he was upset. It was because he was happy. He goes home with his product and comes back and comes crying. His telling us is the best thing he'd ever done. He wished he had done it sooner. It doesn't. It has a lot to do with that individual. What's going to motivate them to actually say, take ownership and say, hey, I'm not going to be in denial anymore. I'm going to go ahead and take care of this issue and do better. Well, thanks a lot for having us today. The one thing that uh, I have noticed is just the care that you feel when you walk in here. Thank you so much, uh, Victoria Bretan, uh, audioprostologist for Downey's Hearing Care Associates, and also Christina. Uh, they have uh, two offices, by the way, 3009 Village Park Drive in Nightdale and 1356 Bevedue Plaza in Rocky Mount on the web at downeasthearingcare.com. And you can email uh, at uh, downeasthearing at Did yahoo. you know that sports and electrolyte Thank you so much. actually were invented as part of uh, athletic trainers finding that pickle juice would prevent cramps in football players. That's why originally some of those beverages were sort of a fluorescent green. They were basically made to look like the sweetened pickle juice they were modeled after. So I actually sometimes recommend a dill pickle before bed to people who have leg cramps at night and have found that a lot of those people, it really cuts down on the cramps significantly. So think of a pickle as a delayed release salt and water delivery device. A pickle a day keeps the doctor away. Who knew? (laughs) Okay. What are our main points to take away from uh, the show today, Doc? First, water is about the cheapest and safest drug you can use and to keep you healthy. So don't underestimate how much better it can make you feel. Remember, we are 70% water. Second, remember the formula is about half your weight in ounces. And if you find yourself not feeling good or lightheaded with low energy, especially during hot weather, one of the first things you should do is try to get some fluids on board. That might even save you a trip to the hospital or emergency room. And remember that sports drinks in most people aren't necessarily needed unless you're sick or you're really sweating over an hour per day. And lastly, remember not to overdo it. Too much of anything can be harmful. Our scripture this week seemed appropriate and is from John four thirteen through 14. Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Thanks for listening to the Access Health Show, and we look forward to joining you again next Sunday at 4 p.m. Until then, God bless your health.